All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in a new book. Today, we begin the book, our study in the book of Colossians, or really the epistle, Paul's epistle to the Colossians. And so like we always do, we want to talk about, we want to give an introduction to the book. So we're going to talk about the author, the date, the occasion, that is what is going on for the reason to the which Paul wrote this particular epistle and the very theme or purpose of this book. Okay, so let's go on. Author. Now, we, the, the book is attributed to the Apostle Paul, and we can see this two times in chapter one, and I think again in chapter four, and it is not something that is often disputed that Paul is the author of the epistle. The uh, epistle simply means the letter, the epistle to the church in Carlos. Okay, so it is Paul who is the author. Now, with respect to the date, the dating for this uh, letter is around about 60 to 62 AD. And we give it probably an earlier date that is probably around 60 to no later than 61 AD. And the reason why we give this an earlier dating is because this letter is a part of what we call Paul's imprisonment epistles. That is, these uh, uh, deal with a section, a group of letters that Paul wrote to different people while he was imprisoned in his first Roman imprisonment. Now, those letters would be uh, the epistle to Ephesians, book of Ephesians, Philippians, this book, Colossians, as well as the letter to Philemon. Okay. However, in the epistle that Paul wrote to the Philippians, Paul indicated that he was soon expecting that he would probably probably be released from prison. So Paul knew that he would have some type of a appearance before uh, probably Caesar or some high Roman magistrate or official and that his case would be adjudicated and he would be set free. And this he understood later on. Thus, this would give the book of Philippians a later date, roughly around 62. But since this is not evidenced anywhere, that is, Paul made no mention of him being released or anything of that nature in the book of uh, in Ephesians or, or Colossians or Philemon. There was no issue of that. No, Philemon. Philemon, there was. There was Philemon. There was an indication of that. Paul made mention of preparing a lodging for himself. So it may actually have a later date. But the point that I'm trying to stress is simply this. In the book of Colossians, the one that we're studying now, there is no evidence of Paul having any sense of being released at any, any time soon. Okay, so thus we give it an earlier date, something around 6061. All right, now let's talk about the occasion. We always want to remember that epistles usually are occasional letters. And what we mean by occasional letters is this. Whenever Paul would write an epistle, he is writing to address a particular issue or oftentimes a particular problem that's happening in the community of the saints. There may be some things going on, like say, for instance, the letter to the, this is always the case, but the letter to the Thessalonians, right? Dealing with what they had issues concerning the day of the Lord, had the day of the Lord come, or 
had the revelation of the Antichrist, has the man of sin being revealed. And if the day of the Lord has passed, Christians uh, were going about, a lot of them weren't working anymore. And then some of them were afraid and upset because they thought that they missed the rapture. So Paul would write to deal with issues in the church or problems that were uh, arising or to address specific issues. You see that even in the book of first Corinthians now concerning first Corinthians chapter seven, now concerning the things that you wrote to me, let's talk about marriage. Okay. Let's talk about other things. So, okay. So this is what we mean by occasional letters. So thus the occasion for the writing of the letter to the Colossians were basically four things. He wanted to deal with the Jewish heretics, often called Judaizers, that were trying to influence this Gentile congregation. So pay attention to that. That is these Judaizers. This is what we mean when we talk about Jewish heretics. All right. Has nothing to do with the fact that they're Jews, but it has all to do with the fact of their their racial identity. They were Jews but more so in what they were doing with this Gentile congregation. They were trying to influence this Gentile congregation, the church of Carlos, to adopt and live according to the law of Moses. And remember, as Paul himself taught, and he's going to talk, teach this same thing in this epistle as well, that at the death of Jesus Christ, it ended the dispensation of the Mosaic law. The law is done away with, and thus the body of believers, Jew and Gentile, live according to the law of Christ. The law of Moses has been done away with. Okay? But what they, and remember, the Gentiles never had the law. God never gave the law to the Gentiles, He only gave that to Israel, to the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham under Moses. So thus they never had the law. So what, and so Paul would preach the gospel to these Gentiles. But now this is a, another interesting thing here is Carlos or the church of Colossians. Paul was not the founder of this church. Paul did not establish this church. And, and there is evidence that Paul had never even been to this church. That's a beautiful thing. He had never been there, but nevertheless, he is the apostle to the Gentile church, and thus he exercises authority. Okay, but let me get back to what I was trying to say. So the Gentiles receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is justification by faith alone. I believe in the person that Jesus is God made man, died for my sins, was resurrected on the third day. And thus, if you believe these things in the heart, you are saved. This is the gospel of faith. And this is what was presented to the Gentiles, people who had not the law of Moses. So <clears throat> this gospel would be preached. But later on, some Jews would follow after these Jewish heretics that you've heard me call Judaizers, trying to perfect the Gentiles trying to add on to the gospel, teaching the Gentiles that they need to become circumcised and keepers of the Mosaic law. And Paul would have great dissension with this type of uh, teaching, this heretical teaching. Okay. So one of the reasons 
that Paul wrote this particular epistle was to deal with the Judaizers, these Judaizers, false Jewish teachers coming into the congregation with this false teaching, trying to get the Gentiles to be keepers of the Mosaic law. Now, second thing, one of the purposes is to deal with the Colossian heresy. So what is that? This deals with the person of Jesus Christ. Okay. What was going on? Well, this is what we call the proto-gnostic, proto-gnostic, pre-gnostic era, which uh, uh, these Jewish teachers also were teaching that Jesus, although he is accepted as the Messiah, Jesus was not divine. Jesus was not deity. Jesus was not God. And so thus we have some of Paul's clearest, most profound statements concerning the deity of Jesus in all of scripture. Paul lets us know in no uncertain terms that Jesus is God, God Almighty, the fullness of God, the fullness of what it means to be God dwells in Jesus in bodily form. That is even in his flesh, fleshly existence. So, Okay, I don't want to get excited, but we'll get there. And when we get there, we'll get excited about that. But that's that's what you call preaching. But anyway, so this is what is called the Colossian heresy. That is, those who were trying to teach the Colossians that Jesus was not fully and completely God. And what Paul did was he attacked that like no other place in scripture that is in the writings of the apostle Paul. Okay. So the, and this became, this was the early roots of Gnosticism. You heard me use that term earlier, proto Gnosticism and Gnosticism was the idea of the, uh, 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 uh where these teachers, and it really comes out of arrogance. Um, uh, teaching that you need to be a part of a special group, a unique group of people who have a special knowledge. And this special knowledge elevates them and gives them an understanding beyond the normal or everyday Christian, if you'll let me say it that way. And so they push for having this special and unique knowledge of Christ, a knowledge that's not found commonly in the body. And this, and, and this is what Paul had a serious problem with. And we also find out too, and I'm not going to digress, but my mind just went there. John, John, the apostle, we see that in the writing of first John, John had to deal with a similar issue, but he was dealing with the other side where Paul here is dealing with the fact that Jesus is what is indeed God. Cause what the, the false teachers were teaching he was simply a man. He was the Messiah, true enough, empowered by God, true enough and unique in that. But he was not God. That was Paul dealt with. But John, in his letter, flipped the coin. They were saying Jesus was God, but he didn't have flesh. And that's why John said, for whosoever does not believe that Jesus has what? Come in the flesh 
Such a one is the Antichrist. So John had to deal with the opposite side of it. But nevertheless, both of these groups were what we call proto-gnostics. These people who come in with this special revelation knowledge. We can teach you the truly deep things of God. And by following in after our teaching and being like us, having this deep knowledge of God, you too will be elevated in your thinking. But anyway, that was the idea. But let's continue on. Number three, reason purpose for the letter, the worship of angels. And this is another thing that these Jewish teachers, false Jewish teachers, were teaching this Gentile congregation to worship the angels in a sense that angels were mediating. They were some like a go-between between God and man. And thus, this was this encouragement. And you'll see Paul talk about that too. All of these things that I'm talking about with respect to the purposes of the letter, these things will be found internally in the letter itself. Okay. So Paul had dealt with the issue concerning the worship of angels. So let's break it down. Jewish Judaizers. He had to deal with the Judaizers law keeping. He had to deal with early Gnosticisms. We just talked about that as well. Worship of angels and then the deity of Christ. So that's basically the purpose that we see in the writing of this short epistle. Now, finally, the theme or the purpose of the letter. And basically, we can see the theme or purpose of the letter enveloped in the occasion. What I mean by that is when you look at the things that Paul was dealing with, it kind of brings out the theme. Uh, again, Paul uh, takes that uh, normal strategy that he does. He talks about certain, and for this reason, just in case I didn't tell you, uh, the book of Colossians is a strong uh, um, doctrinal teaching in Christology. Christology and Christology is basically the study of the person of Jesus, the study of Christ. OK, but anyway, and he talks and, and dealing with Christ come in the flesh. He's God almighty. Just keep those things in mind. But anyway, so as far as the theme of purpose you can see that enveloped within the occasion of the letter itself. And the, the main theme is the glory of the incomparable Christ, the superiority of Christ, the greatness of Christ. So that's basically the theme. And as I was just saying to you, in Paul's common manner of writing the letter, the structure is pretty much generally the same. That is, he would have some form of theology, and that's what we're talking about, Christology, speaking of Christ, some form of that. And then in this latter part of the letter, he would have something that deals with the practical living. So in the first two chapters of Colossians, Paul sets forth Christology, that speaking of the glory of Jesus Christ, and that is to deal with the Colossian heresy, the deity of Jesus, that Jesus is God and the glory of Jesus and all these other things about this and the law that I've already talked about. So he sets forth uh, that theological uh, purpose to the letter. And then in the second part, he just simply said basically chapters three and four. He urges those who have been saved, those who have received Christ Jesus to live life, to respond to the gospel, to respond to the grace of God 
by living in a manner that is pleasing to God. If indeed you are true believers, then Jesus desires you to live this way. Okay. All right, guys, that concludes our introduction into the epistle of Colossians. Can't wait for us to get started. Anyway, glad you joined me. Can't wait to see you on the next round. <music>